Well, good morning. Uh, as you saw up there on the screen, um, God has been doing some amazing things in the last year, and a lot of that has to do with your generosity and your love. And so, on behalf of all of our family and friends and all the coworkers in India, we want to thank each and every one of you for everything that you've done for us, all the uh, prayers and all the gifts that you've given us. We uh, couldn't do this without you, and so we thank you so, so much for all that. Um, I think you probably saw in the video, but there was close to 225 churches planted just last year. Uh, 53,000 people were baptized, and uh, tons and tons of people were helped and benefited by the gospel of Jesus Christ and by different social work that's taking place. And so a lot of that, like I said, has to do with your generosity and love. And so thank you guys very, very much. Um, Kevin and Cindy have been a massive part of our work for a long time very close to our family, and so we want to thank you guys for your love and generosity as well and your leadership here. Um, I also have a special friend with me, uh, Dave Kraft, is here from California. Uh, Dave is an author. Uh, he also, um, I forgot to mention this first service, but he has a blog that he writes, if anybody's interested, on leadership and church and all sorts of awesome stuff. If you just go to davecraft.org, uh, K with, uh, Kraft with a K, uh, like the cheese, right? Yeah, there you go. So uh, DaveCraft.org, you can see some of his books and things like that. But he's been coaching me uh, in ministry for the last couple of years. Really helped me in my leadership development in India and helped me really become the, uh, the leader that I need to be in India. And he's continuing to guide me and lead me through that process. He's been a Christian now for how long? 54 years he's been a Christian. Uh, been in leadership in many different churches and done a lot of stuff in ministry. And so I'm, I'm honored to have you here, man. Thank you so much for being here with us. Let's give Dave a big hand, okay? Thank you. Um, and uh, Nishant is here. You've already heard about Nishant. He's one of my good friends from India. Uh, his wife and my wife grew up together, and so we're good friends. He teaches with me at the Bible College and uh, does an awesome job. And so thank you for being here with me, man. Um, Kevin and Cindy are, are wonderful people. I, I hope you know how awesome of a pastor you have. Kevin is a great man. Let's give him a big hand, okay? Uh, I think the second service likes you better. First service, I had to ask you to clap, and, and this service, you just clap on your own, so that's great. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, Kevin's been on our board uh, for, for quite a while now, correct? Uh, different terms and things like that, and uh, has helped us lead the mission well, and, and so we want to thank you, man, for all your work that you've done. Let's go ahead and uh, open with a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in together, okay? So let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, I want to thank you for your grace and mercy that you offer us every single day, every single moment. Without it, we would be nothing. As you tell us in the book of John, we can do nothing without you. You are the vine, we are the branches, and so today, Father, through your word, we just want to connect to you, connect our hearts and our minds and our lives to you, and help us to live a life that honors you and is nourished by you and empowered by you. Father, as you know, we're going to be talking about making disciples and, and uh, doing the ministry that you've called us to do, and it's only possible with your power and with your help. Um, and so, Father, I pray that right now you would help us, open our ears, open our hearts, and help us to become closer to the people that you've called us to be for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at the very beginning of this message, I'm going to ask if you would please stand up with me. Um, yeah, go ahead. Stand up. 
I'm going to read a passage of Scripture from my phone. I didn't bring my Bible with me because uh, it's on my phone all the time. So that's cool, huh? Uh, <laughs> even in India, we have cell phones. Can you believe that? Um, we're going to be reading a passage of, a passage of Scripture that most of you are familiar with. It's in Matthew 28. And I know that most of you could probably quote this. You could, uh, you've probably learned it if you've been in church very long. But the reason why I'm having you stand is in honor of this passage. God has been doing amazing, amazing things all throughout the world in, in, this, in this time period, obviously. He brought his son to earth. He died and rose again, right? We just celebrated that last week. And then Jesus gives one final command to his disciples. And that's the command that I want to talk to you about today. And so we're reading this and we're standing in honor of the last command that Jesus gave us before he went to heaven. And so let's start. Matthew 28. 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You can have a seat. Go make disciples. Now, I know a lot of times when we talk about this scripture, people put the emphasis on go. You need to get up and go and do something with your life, which is true. Yes, absolutely. But when this passage was written, there's actually only one command in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. There's only one thing that Jesus actually commanded, and everything else revolves around that command. Can you guess what that command was? Make disciples. That's the command. If you look at the original language in Greek, that was the command. And it literally says this, while you are going, because Jesus already assumes they're going to be going, while you are going, make disciples. And so that's the command. Now, let me give a brief word of confession of something that has happened in my life. I know all your ears perk up, right? You love hearing confession. <laughs> I always tell our guys in India that when they're sharing their story, when they're evangelizing, make sure you always tell all the bad things about yourself because people love hearing that kind of stuff. So let, here's a brief confession. I grew up in church, but my conscience and my heart was never attached to this command in Scripture, ever. What I mean by that is this. I never felt bad if I didn't make disciples. I never even really thought about it. But if I didn't come to church on Sunday, I felt really bad at home. You know what I mean? Anybody with me on that? You feel guilty if you don't come here, and you feel pretty good afterwards if you come. Now listen, coming to church is wonderful. We meet with the, with the body of Christ and we celebrate and we sing songs and it's a very good time, but it should not stop here. This should be the beginning of our week in doing the things that God has called us to do and serving the people he's called us to serve and loving the people he's called us to love. This should be a, a celebration time of what God did last week and what he's going to do this week. But so often we act as if Jesus' final command was go attend church. <laughs> but it's not. Go make disciples. 
And now I know that's the vision of this church, obviously. I mean, that's why we started churches, right? It's so that we can make disciples of one another and build each other up. That's what the book of Ephesians says, that we build one another up. We love one another. We serve each other. We push each other on, right? Hebrews says we spur one another on towards good deeds. You see, that's what the church is designed to do. But what do we do? Well, we come to church, we sing a few songs, we put some money in the offering plate, maybe, and, uh, and then you take communion and go home, right? And then we feel good about ourselves because we came. Now listen, God spoke to me when I moved to India, and I began to realize that never in my life had I ever made a disciple, ever. And here I am, at the time I was in my early 20s, here I am going to India to be a missionary, and I never made a disciple in America. Who's, if I've never made a disciple here, how can I make them in India? Huh? And so I begin to study this and, and pray about this and, and really seek the heart of Jesus in this. And the big thing that he continued to tell me over and over and over again is that he just wants me to try. He just wants me to do it. And, and that's the promise in Matthew 28 that I will be with you. I have the authority. I have the power. You just go and do it. I'm going to be with you. And so Jesus says, if, or what, what I take it as, okay, I'll, I'll change the words a little bit, okay? These, this is the, the, uh, the Josh International Version, okay? What, what, basically what he's saying is this. The God who healed people and the God who raised people from the dead and the God who, uh, who, made the, who parted the waters of the Red Sea and the, the God who created this universe is with you. And if he is with you, then what else do you need? Right? And so Jesus gives them this command. He raises from the dead and says, listen, now I want you to go and I want you to tell everybody. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. And I've heard people argue with me about this. And they've said, oh, Josh, that's not for us. That was just for them. Jesus was talking to his 11 disciples. You know, Peter, James, John, those guys. He was talking to them. It's not for us. That's the pastor's job. That's why I come to church and I work hard all week and give money to him so that he does that and I can go home and do nothing. I know you would never say that, but look deep in your heart. You know what the scripture says? He, did, he is talking to the 11 disciples, absolutely. He says, go make disciples, but then what does he say? Go make disciples and baptize them and what? Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, right? And so what's that mean? If Jesus gave a command to the disciples, then he told them, those commands I gave you, you go give commands to other people. You go teach them everything I've commanded you. And so it's kind of like this. If I tell you to make a disciple, what I'm saying is, go make more disciples, and you go make more disciples, and you go make more disciples, and so any command that we see in the New Testament that was given to the disciples, they were commanded to go teach everybody else to do the same thing. And so if it was for them, it's for us. It's pretty simple, right? How many disciples are we making? I know we're coming to church because we're here today. I know Kevin has a discipleship group that he leads, but he's the leader of this church. If he didn't, you'd fire him, right? How many of you are doing that? 
How many of you are inviting people into your home and taking them out for coffee or, or going to Starbucks? I don't know if you have Starbucks around here. You're in Fort Scott, Kansas. Go, go, to, go to Common Grounds, Common Grounds downtown, right? There's a little deal down there, right? Common Grounds coffee shop. I was there last night. It's a good, good coffee. Take them somewhere, okay? Take them somewhere or invite them into your home for dinner. But do you have any friends that aren't Christian? Do you have any friends that don't know Jesus? Okay, this is the big thing here. Are we really obeying what Jesus called us to do? We know the scriptures, but are we actually doing it? That's the question. Do we attend church? Yes, but are we actually doing what God has called us to do? You know, one of my favorite examples of this comes from Francis Chan. I know that some of you know him, uh, or know of him anyway. He's in California, and he gave an example that goes like this. His daughter was in high school at the time, and he said, what if I told my daughter to go clean her room, because the room was a mess? And so I said, hey, honey, I want you to go clean your room. And she came back to me an hour later, and she said, listen, Dad, I I memorized what you told me to do. Go clean your room. (laughs) Listen to that. Honey, did you clean your room? No, but I memorized it. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I can even say to Dad, listen to this. I don't care what language you can say it in. I want you to go clean your room. <laughs> well, Dad, I thought I'd bring a few friends over and we could study first what it might look like if I clean my room. And then I might clean it. Hey, honey, if you don't clean your room right now, things are going to be big trouble, right? I mean, what would you do if your children treated you like that, Huh? I know what my grandpa would have done. <laughs> it's called take off his belt. That's what would have happened. I grew up in Illinois, and uh, my grandpa was a farmer, and we definitely believed in disciplining children in certain ways. That's what my grandpa believed anyway, and, and he would have done it. Now, regardless of how you believe in disciplining children, that's not what this message is about. Let's not argue about that. Regardless of what you believe about that, how would you feel if your children responded that way when you're trying to get them to do something? You don't care if they memorize it. You don't care if they remember what you said to the word. What you care about is if they're actually doing what you want them to do, right? And that's the same way God is with us. He's given us commands and he says, listen, I don't care if you memorize it or whatever. Yeah, memorize it, know it, but don't just memorize it, do it. Do what I've called you to do. I am God. I am in control, and I know what's best for you, and I know what's best for the world. And so do what I've called you to do because that's what's best for you and the world. Amen? And so instead of just knowing the Scriptures or listening to the Scriptures or studying the Scriptures, we must begin to actually put them into practice. But how? (laughs) How do we do that? Well, that's like an entire week-long class, okay? So we're not going to do that today. I know, that, I know that Kevin has a deep heart for discipleship, a deep heart for this stuff. If you're interested in it, talk to him, and he can, he can guide you through the process. But today, for me, I'm only here a day. I go back to India, so I can pretty much say whatever I want. <laughs> and then Kevin can clean up the mess afterwards. <laughs> what, I want to do today, or what I want to do today is just inspire you. I just want to inspire you to at least get started in the process, to to take the first step in in deciding today that you're actually going to try to be obedient to this command, that you're really going to try to do your best by God's grace and with his power to actually make disciples and to love people the way that God loves them and to serve people the way he serves them. Because that's what you're called to do. 
And all you guys over here in school and in high school, you're called to be a witness in your school. You're called to be disciple makers in your school. I wish so badly that my high school age would have been different. I was a Christian, but I didn't act like it. You know what I mean, guys, right? I didn't act like it. Everybody knew I was a Christian just because I went to church, but I didn't act like it. And looking back on it now, it was such an opportunity that I could have been a light and a witness to my friends that could have literally transformed anywhere that they went, and I lost it. So each and every one of us today, I just want to give you a couple stories from Scripture. Because I know what some of you are thinking, Josh, I can't do that. Like, I've not learned this stuff. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I mean, I've not been to Bible college. I I don't know the Bible very well. Other people do that stuff, but I can't. I want to tell you a couple stories that I hope and pray will change your mind. All right? You with me? Woo! Okay. All right, here we go. One of my favorite stories in the Bible comes from the book of Mark. And it's a story about Jesus, obviously. Everything's about him. (laughs) And so he he is on a boat, and they come up to a, a piece of land, and he steps off the boat, and he begins to talk to some people. And he goes over to a graveyard, and there's a man in the graveyard that has been chained up. He's naked and crazy and demon-possessed. Nobody wanted him around. He was an outcast, rejected, alone. In school, there may not be crazy naked people running around. (laughs) But there are those girls and guys that nobody talks to. In your work, there's people like that. In your homes, there's people like that. But Jesus, Jesus talked to the guy that nobody would talk to. He, he loved the person that nobody else loved. You see, he was thrown out by his family. He was thrown out by the people that were supposed to love him, but they chained him up alone in a graveyard to die a horrible death. But Jesus talked to him. You see, the God of all creation... The God who has all authority that we just read about. All authority has been given to me. This God stepped down out of heaven and loved people that no one else loved and served people that no one else served and touched people that no one else would touch and talked to people that no one else would talk to. That's our Jesus. And he tells us to go and do the same. And so Jesus talks to this guy, this crazy, naked, demon-possessed guy. And pretty soon he heals him. He casts out all the demons, forgives them of all the sin that he's ever done. And then the man is sitting at his feet, in his right mind, fully clothed, praise God, and he's sitting, learning from Jesus. And then Jesus turns around and he goes to get back on the boat. And the man, he wants to go with Jesus. He's like, you just saved me. You you healed me. Nobody loved me. Nobody talked to me. And you did. I want to go with you. I want to follow you. And what's Jesus say? No. You can't come. What? That's not the Jesus we read about, right? This is the Jesus that says, come, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men, right? It's that Jesus. No, this is what Jesus says. No, I I don't want you to come on this boat with me. I want you to go, and I want you to tell everyone what God has done for you today. I want you to go to your friends, and I want you to go to your family, and I want you to tell them about God's mercy, and about his grace, and about his love. I want you to go and be a witness of what God has done in your life today. 
You know what Jesus just did? He made a disciple. That's what he did. He said, you've just been loved. You have just been given grace and mercy. Don't come with me right now. I want you to go tell everybody what just happened. I want you to go and be a witness. I want you to go make more disciples. I want you to go and tell them about how awesome God is. You see, this man knew nothing. He was not educated. He was alone and rejected. But he met Jesus. And when you have Jesus, that's all you need. He knew one thing. He knew that Jesus was awesome, and he wanted to tell everybody about him. And so this man went out and preached to a region of ten cities. This crazy, naked, demon-possessed man healed, went out, and preached to ten cities. Can you believe that? That's amazing. And this is why I'm telling you this story, because I want to change your mind about something. If God can use that guy, then God can use you. No doubt about it. You with me? Because all of you are a step ahead of that guy, right? You're a step ahead. I mean, none of you are rolling at the floor, frothing at the mouth. That's a good sign, right? All of you came here clothed. Thank you very much for doing that, by the way. I don't think any of you are demon-possessed. If you are, come see Pastor Kevin later. I mean, you're a step ahead, okay? And, and so if God can use that guy, then God can use you. And stop making excuses. Well, I don't know enough. That guy didn't know anything. Well, I haven't been to Bible college. This guy was in the college of naked graveyard crazy people. That's the college he was in. And God used him in an amazing way. Quit making excuses. God will use you. Jesus is with you. And if he's with you, that's all you need. Now, I know what some of the girls are thinking. Well, Josh, that's, those are men, and, and men do all the work, and we just women, we don't need to do anything. Isn't there something in the Bible about how women can't do anything in the church? Hogwash. That's my grandpa's word, too. <laughs> Let me tell you about something. Let me tell you another story about Jesus and a woman. It's in the book of John. You see, Jesus, he, he was going to a village, and on the outside of the village, there was a well. And there was a woman there in the middle of the day. Now, in that culture, they would not go to the well in the middle of the day when the sun's high. It's way too hot for that. Why was she there alone in the middle of the day? Well, she was an outcast as well. She had been married five times, and the, woman, and the man that she was living with was not even her husband. And so people looked at her and rejected her and didn't want to have anything to do with her. But Jesus... Again, he talks to her. This preacher, rabbi, teacher, who should have never been talking to such a woman in public, breaks all social barriers. Every single thing that you should not have done, he did. He was a Jew. He shouldn't have been talking to a woman. He was a Jew. He shouldn't have been talking to a Samaritan woman. He was a Jew and a rabbi. He shouldn't be talking to a dirty woman like that. But he, and he loves us all. He's God stepping out of he- down out of heaven and talking and loving people that no one else will. You see, this woman, she went back to the village and told everybody about Jesus. And it says this, that many of the people in the village that day believed in Jesus because of this woman's story, because of her testimony, because of what she told them. 
And so Jesus meets this woman that has a horrible past, and he cleanses her and forgives her and then sends her out to go tell people about how awesome he is. You see, this isn't about you. So many people say, well, I have a bad past, and I did this, and I did that. It's not about you. You see, Jesus, it's about Jesus. It's about him. It's about his love and his grace. It's about telling people about him. And so God can use a broken bat to hit a home run. You and I, we're just broken instruments. That's all we are. You and I, we're just broken people. But God chooses the most broken people and mends them and loves them and heals them and then sends them out by his power and by his grace to do things they never believed that they could. I heard an old man say one time, you know, I've been told my whole life that I'm supposed to believe in God. But what I'm really beginning to realize is that God believes in me. God is with you. And if God is with you, that's all you need. It, all it takes is one person, right? That demon-possessed man, you would have never thought he would do anything, right? But he did, by the power of Jesus. That woman, the Samaritan woman, nobody would have listened to her and, or given her any time of day. But then when Jesus met her, he transformed her, and it changed everything. All it takes is one. It's kind of like a match. You know what I mean? A match doesn't last very long. Goes out in just maybe a few seconds, if I wave it a little. But this match, when it's lit, can be used for amazing things. If I drop this match on the ground right now, if nobody stops it, it could burn this whole building down, right? One match can do that. One match can start a fire that could burn down an entire forest. One match can start a fire that could heat a home or that could, or that could cook food. One match can do incredible good or incredible bad depending on how you use it. One match, it doesn't last long, but if you use it when it lasts, it can do amazing things. Our life is like that. You see, the demon-possessed guy, the Samaritan woman, they were a match in the hands of God, and so are you. We don't last long, right? That's what scripture says. We're here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, what do we got? 60, 70, 80 years, maybe 100 if we're lucky. I mean, we don't have long in this earth at all. And so my prayer today and my, my passion today and my dream today for this is that like a match, Jesus right now, his Holy Spirit would ignite you ablaze with his love and with his grace. And everywhere you go, you would be a spark that would light other people on fire. That's what he's called us to do. That's what disciple making is. It's about taking the flame of Jesus to one person and then they pass it to another and they pass it to another. It's about lighting other people ablaze with Jesus, with his love and with his grace. It's about showing people how amazing God is. Regardless of your education, regardless of where you go to school, regardless of what you know, Jesus promises, I am with you. And if he is with you, you need nothing else. Right now at the end of this message, uh, a guy that I look up to a lot, his name's David Bowden. He's a spoken word poet. We hired him to write a poetry piece about this idea of being a match. And so at the very end of this sermon, I just want you to see this video, and then we're going to close. It's just a couple minutes long. Uh, his, uh, if we could turn down the lights a little bit. Um, 
Super awesome video. This guy's amazing. You can look him up on the web. His name's David Bowie. Um, but uh, take a look at this, and then we'll close after that. My body is a matchstick, my soul the head, and my wood flesh is sick to be ignited. Like all men, I'm longing for his box strip to rub up against him and become lighted. Soon I'm consumed from my phosphorus head to my wooden legs, and by the end of my life, my flesh becomes soot and my smoke rises. But what of the other matches from the box which the igniter snatches? Could they not gain from the heat of my flame if never their soul on the box made its scratches? Am I made just to burn, my own fire to earn, and now self-consumed lay in ashes? Or am I a spark, a divinely appointed arc, to take the strike of his strip to the masses? We hold the fire, the light of the world, the fiery baptism, the flaming tongues of the spirit, overcoming the furnace of everlasting derision. We hold the flame of the gospel's claim that God has made eternal provisions. How deity to flesh came, the price of our sins paid in heaven and hell's most glorious collision. Now we take this furnace to the ends of the earth's surface and all we end up asking for is a decision. To say a prayer, not ahead, say yes to a list of contentions, not realizing that by making conversions instead of learners, we may be harbingers of a new circumcision. We excel in evangelism, taking those in our mission down the Roman road, across the cross bridge, over hell's hole, to the quest and destination. If you die today, where would you go? These paths and tracks we all well know. But what if our omission in the Great Commission isn't just the call to go, but is in fact that we are in remission of being called to make disciples? What if we called mankind not to a recital of claims, but to recycle the flame? Would we then begin to spread not a cycle of one-on-one -on -one exchange, but a revival and exponential change? For as the light was leaving earth and let out one last exclaim, it wasn't a call to make conversions, but disciples to share the blaze. If my body is a matchstick and my soul the head, then when I light you, you have been converted. But when I place you next to more sticks waiting to be kindled, you haven't just been made a Christian, but have been discipled. And if you do the same with the contents of your flame, passing it on to be passed on, then from brother to brother we'll keep igniting another and another, all the while helping each other fires to remain. For if our body is a matchstick, then the church is a whole book, planted in cultures and climates, throwing up smoke signals in every cranny and nook. And if the church is a matchbook, then each country may as well be a box, ready to be set on fire as each church is sent in groves and flocks. And if each country is a matchbox, then why shouldn't the world also be a sphere full of matches with phosphorus heads ready to be set on fire if we would just change our desire to stop being being a converter and become a discipler, to share our lives, not just a list of facts, to take people down Golgotha's road, not just through our newest tracks, to stay with new brothers face to face, not just presenting our backs, to present God's word as living bread, not just bound paper found in stacks, to live out what it says in the book of Acts, to not just know, but to be known, to create a new society, not just be culture's clone, to share in common what we own. 
alone and to see each believer fully grown. We will be lovingly bridal, culturally archetypal, decreasingly idle, and increasingly tribal. For there will be one mark in us which shall be all too vital, and that will be our call, our call to make disciples. So let's commit every thread of our existence from our phosphorus head to our wooden legs to take the gospel's flame over any distance to burn with holy fire regardless of resistance to make discipleship not an option but an everlasting insistence until we see evangelism turn from coercion to coexistence then we may see as we burn side by side that it is for the world that God came and for each matchstick he'll call that he died match. That's what you and I are in God's hands, a match. And so right now, I just want to sprinkle these up in front of the stage. Skip that. And what we're going to do right now is a little bit different. But if you've heard the Spirit of God speaking to you during this message about making disciples... If something today has, has grabbed your heart and God is wooing you and calling you and saying, you need to be involved in this. You need to be doing something about my love and grace. You need to be spreading it to other people. Then I just want to call you as we sing this song to come up here and grab a match. Grab a match is a symbol of the new commitment that you're going to make to really obey Jesus' final command and to go make disciples. Grab a match. And take it home with you. Put it on your dresser. Keep it in your pocket. Put it in your wallet. If you want to be old school, you can put it above your ear. I don't know, wherever you want to put it. Just somewhere to remind you that God is calling you and I to be lit ablaze every day with his love and grace. And to take his fire, to take his flame everywhere that we go. In school, in our workplaces, and in our homes, we are called to take the gospel's love and grace into every area and to light other people ablaze. And so if you feel called right now, I'm going to ask that you would stand as we sing and that you would just come grab a match as a reminder of the commitment that you've made to begin the journey of making disciples in your life. There's one more thing I want to say. I have an empty box right here. There are many parts of the world, like India, but many other countries as well, that have no gospel light at all. There is nobody that can take the light of Jesus. There's nobody that can be a flame. There's nobody that could light other people afire with Jesus. It's empty, and there's nobody there. And I believe right now there's someone in this church that God is calling to go to an area like that. An area where nobody has heard the name of Jesus and to be the light of the world, to be the light of the gospel. And so right now, as people are coming to grab a match, if that's you, I just want you to come and take this empty box from me as a symbol of what God is calling you to do, and we'll pray over you. But I think that some of you, maybe more, but at least one of you in this room is called by God to go to an area that nobody's ever preached and to share the love of Jesus. You see, if a match is never scratched up against the box, it can't be lit, right? But 
If your match is ablaze, even if they never encounter God, they can encounter you. And you bring them the light of Jesus with your little life, with your little match, and light them ablaze. You see, that's the good news of Jesus, is that one by one, he is with you to light you ablaze and to light other people ablaze with his gospel. And so it's time for you and I to get to work and do what God has called us to do. And so come as we sing if you want to make that commitment right now.